Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome, welcome my friends into the mind of madness. I'll be your host, your guide, your inquisitor for this episode. I'm Mr. Black, and let's get the show on the road. So we're in the lovely month of March. Daylight savings happened. Um, and we have, you know, uh, the lovely holiday of St. Patrick's Day. Uh, St. Patrick, good old St. Patrick. Um, anyone who doesn't know the tale of St. Patrick, according to Irish legend and lore, um, St. Patrick is the uh, patron saint of Ireland who is responsible for driving the snakes out of Ireland. That's the story I was told by my great-grandmother when I was a kid. Um, I am half Irish. Um, I, uh, I think it's great that everybody does celebrate St. Paddy's Day. Um, but when the fuck did St. Paddy's Day become a holiday to get shit-faced? Every time I look at it, see a parade, and there was a couple parades so far this weekend. There was, a the big one in Belmar for the people who are in New Jersey, down the Jersey Shore. Um, I believe the New York St. Paddy's Day is the weekend before. Um, we had the Seaside Heights uh, parade this past Saturday. And um, it's just funny because there's so many people who just take this holiday. I know it's the end of Lent for a lot of people who are Christian. Like I said, this show is not about religion. It's not about politics. But I bring it up. Um, a lot of people who are of the of faith and do follow religion, um, it is the end of Lent. So usually St. Patrick's Day signals the, the end of the Lent period. Um, I'm not getting into that because it's too fucking complicated. But yes, legend has it that St. Patrick, the patron saint of Ireland, is responsible for driving all of the snakes out of Ireland. Hence, there are no more snakes in Ireland, um, unless you count politicians. Um, anyway... But, so he's responsible, so a lot of images you see of St. Patrick um, are him holding a handful of clovers uh, or shamrocks, as well as um, I've seen some of them where he's driving snakes off a cliff uh, with a Celtic cross in his hand. He's supposedly responsible for also creating the Celtic cross. If anybody's not familiar with that, it is a traditional Latin cross, which is the regular cross with the circle through it. Um, a lot of people have it tattooed on him. Um, but yeah, supposedly he's responsible for those uh, two things, um, as well as converting all of the heathens in Ireland to Christianity, except for the heathens in Northern Ireland, who are um, pretty much don't think they're they think they're British. Anyway, <laughs> I don't feel like getting on that now, though. Like I said, not about politics. This is about comedy. My opinions, nobody else's. Uh, I want to thank everybody for the emails I got this week again. Um, I am not a doctor in any way, shape, or form. Uh, thank you, uh, though, on the compliment that you think I'm a doctor. Nor am I a vegan. Um, I am a meat eater. Um, I have friends who are vegan. I've gotten requests about vegan recipes, hence why I talked about that a couple of things on the last episode. Because I respect everybody's wishes, uh, everybody's philosophy, and how they want to... What they want to do, whether you want to eat healthy, that's great. You want to save the animals. Listen, I want to save animals too, um, but there's I draw the line. So cows are, to me are food. Fish to me are food. Um, so listen, it's it's you take it with a grain of salt. 
Um, I give credit to anybody who does practice uh, veganism um, or is a vegan and um, sticks to it. Um, I know it's difficult. I know everything smells really good when we cook. Um, and we tempt people with meat all the time, but we know um, that that is something that people are into. I give people a lot of credit. I've tried it. I've actually liked it. <laughs> Listen, if you can fool me, I got really good taste buds. And if it tastes like meat, I'm, I'm in. Um, but I, it's not a way I can really eat. Um, I prefer to eat steak, um, which is on the menu for this evening. But, so we're in the month of March. Daylight savings happened last night, or daylight time, whatever the fuck it's called. Um, so basically, you know, the whole thing, spring ahead, fall back. So we lost an hour of sleep last night. Um, we did have our D&D campaign last night. So anybody who is keeping tabs, yes, we did have a, a almost a full party last night. We were one person short due to the fact they had a wedding. So, uh, two people actually. Uh, because uh, that's why I didn't record last night, because I was going to get uh, the Monster and Fitz Bomber on, but unfortunately, Mr. Fitz was uh, not feeling too well, so he actually tapped out for last evening. Um, so I didn't record, but this weekend coming up, as long as he feels up to it, um, and our, our buddy the Monster, who's the DM, is up for it, I will try to record an episode um, with them, because I told them, I, I keep threatening them that I'm going to put them on the show. Um, so, without further ado, let's talk about this lovely month of March. St. Patrick's Day. It's one of those things um, where it's very commercialized now. I mean, I remember growing up, it wasn't as commercialized. You really didn't see the decorations. And, you know, I mean, we wore green. I never got that explanation about the green thing. I'm guessing it's because of the shamrock. The shamrocks are green. Um, but McDonald's didn't have the shamrock shakes in the 80s. Uh, that's a 90s thing that they started. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of commercialization of holidays now. And, and I've discussed that before. Valentine's Day is very commercialized. It's not like it's supposed to be. Um, again, this is celebrating the life of St. Patrick. It's a holiday, a national holiday in Ireland. Um so it's like a bank holiday. So the, the, the lovely bankers get off on St. Patrick's Day. So, but, you know, there's an old saying is um, everybody wants to be Irish on St. Patty's Day. Um, you see the shirts, kiss me, I'm Irish. Um, how many people, those people are actually, how many people do you think are actually Irish wearing those shirts? I mean, seriously. But anyway, it's great. So I am going to have a couple of, throw out a couple of Irish recipes um, for, uh, next weekend. Um, I'm going to talk about them today, actually. So this way you got a, a little bit of prep time. Um, I will be bringing up, um, the proper way to make Irish soda bread, which is very good as long as you make it the right way, because if you fuck it up, you can turn it into a gigantic rock. Um, and that is not good, but soda bread is one of my favorite things. My grandmother makes it. My mom has inherited it. The talent of making it, I have not tried um, to make it by myself yet, but uh, I believe I will be attempting that at some point within the next few years, probably, um, because it's great. Um, it's nice. It's fluffy. It's good with some warm butter. It's good when you first comes out of the oven, um, but I'm going to save that towards the end of the show. So I went to Barnes & Noble today. 
And um, I, I, I saw something really funny, actually, and it's great because um, cookbooks are everywhere. And, and I like certain chefs, you know. Um, I love watching cooking shows. I love Food Network. Um, and I love sitting there watching, like, the cooking shows and, like, Guy's Grocery Games and um, all the different competitions they have. Um, but what I really miss is, like, Alton Brown, um, like, Good Eats, his show. And I liked Unwrapped with Mark Summers, um, the grand inquisitor of cooking, um, of game shows for kids. Uh, Mark Summers, for people who don't know, because unless you have Nickelodeon now and you're watching, Mark Summers was the original host of Double Dare. So he was the guy that we saw pretty much every day around 5 o'clock with Double Dare and Family Double Dare. Um, Kids getting slimed, families getting slimed. Um, It's a great show. It was a great show growing up. And then it went off for a while and it came back and now he's like, He's like the MC. He's not really the host. There's a, a black girl who's the host. Um, but it's kind of funny. And uh, just he, he did this show called Unwrapped on Cooking Network, on Food Network, which, which was great. But he would take things like Tootsie Pops and he would show you from like, he would they would explain how they're made from start to finish, like how they go through, what the process is, how long they've been making them for, like how everything started. And there, scissors text messaging me because I didn't answer back right away. But you have shows now that are are, are really not like that. And it, it kind of sucks a little bit. Um, it really does. You have, you have all these cooking shows, and a lot of them are like game shows now. So it's it's really funny. But they they get rid of they get away from a lot of the cooking where they're talking about cooking recipes. And the funny thing was, like I said, so I went to Barnes and Noble today and, uh, pretty much you go there and, and you, you look for yourself. I was looking for stuff for the D and D campaign. Um, and we found what we were looking for and it picked it up. Um, then we were walking in the next aisle and it was a huge aisle of cooking of cookbooks. And it was rather funny. Um, so they have like the keto cookbook, the vegan cookbook, the vegan challenge cookbook, um, Mama Leone's Cantaloni cookbook, um, you know, Mario Batelli, Andrea, Andrea Batali, um, you know, the Frugal Gourmet cookbook, um, the Julia Child's cookbook, you know, uh, cooking made easy, cooking in an Instapot, cooking in an air fryer, cooking in a deep fryer. Southern cooking, um, cooking with style, cooking with class. <laughs> and then right next to that, of course, is the mixology section. So it was like, you know, the uh, the barmaid's Bible and uh, the, the big ass book of, of mixed drinks and uh, mixology 101. It's just so funny to see all these books. I mean, I love Barnes and Noble because they have a lot of great stuff in there. But it's like, do you really need 80, 90, 100 books on this shit? Not really. You pretty much need like five of them. I mean, I remember growing up, my grandmother had the joy of cooking. Um, and I think she had the, I think I have the entire set somewhere. Um, I think I might have half of it. My mom might have the other half. But it was cool because there's like the recipe cards that pop out. and We would never use them. It, of course, it was this thing of, oh, my grandmother saw it on TV. She ordered it. My great-grandmother saw it on TV. 
she ordered it. So it's a lot of stuff like that where it was like, oh, this is a great idea. But you you realize recipes and cooking come really from yourself. And you can figure stuff out as you go along. Yeah, cookbooks are great because they give you different ideas. But then you can take those ideas from that single recipe. Even the recipes I give you, they're not my recipes. They're recipes that I've learned throughout the years. Uh, things I've tried. And a lot of them, um, the marinades I talk about, my marinades are pretty much firsthand. It's some, I'm evolving as I'm trying it because it's something that, hey, this is good. Let me mix this and this together. Let it soak overnight and see how it feels and how it tastes, how it smells. Some of the shit smells like fucking horrible, but it tastes delicious. And isn't that funny with food? You know, we have food that just smells downright disgusting, but yet it's some of the most delicious stuff that anybody ever tasted. Um, and that's the thing with food is we need it. You know, you need to eat some variation of food. You, it, it has five key principles. Um, you know, you, you have everything, you have your food, your four food groups, your, you know, your, your protein, your vegetables, your milk, you know, dairy, meat, poultry, vegetables, you know, that was the four food groups, fish falls into the poultry category of your grains. But as long as you eat like a, a well-balanced diet, you stay healthy, supposedly, yeah, everybody's got all kinds of things like, oh, get this to do this, you know, this is a great supplement for this. The thing people got to realize is, and with our food, what we really have to realize is that a lot of the shit we got to try to stay away from is the high processed foods. Fast food is not good food. Processed food is horrible for you um your body can't digest it the right way it it is all messed up but you try to i mean try to go old school a little bit you try to cook yourself meals tv dinner is definitely not the way to go um but so you know you go in there and then of course went in the other section and they have like the family planning section which is like what to expect before you're expecting what to expect when you're trying to conceive what to expect when you're expecting Fifth, fifth edition, sixth edition, tenth edition, and I was looking at it going, this is hilarious. They have eight books on the same subject, and they literally are just, you know, updates by this, updates by that. But I did see a couple cool books. Um, we've talked about it. I'm a Star Wars fan. I like sci-fi. I'm a gamer. Um, there's Anthony Daniels wrote a book. Anybody who doesn't know who Anthony Daniels is, uh, you're I'm very ashamed of you, but it's not unheard of. Anthony Daniels is the actor who played for many, many years C-3PO. And he wrote a book called I Am C-3PO, The Life Inside of an Android by Anthony Daniels. Um, it's a book I'm going to probably pick up to read. But it's interesting because a lot of these people who play these iconic characters who are, um, they're very versed, very fluid in the art of acting, they, they, they're behind a mask, um, like, uh, Victor, um, oh, what is his name, the guy who played Agent Smith in The Matrix, most of his roles, if anybody didn't realize it, um, were behind a mask, um, he 
was not seen until the uh, he was not seen until the Matrix. The Matrix was the first movie he acted in where he was unmasked, and a lot of it was he was asked that when he was cast for the part of Agent Smith in the Matrix um, that he wouldn't be behind a mask and that he would have to uh, be this, you know, his face would be on screen. And it's very funny because, you know, it was the first, Hugo Even, and he's awesome. I actually, he's a great actor. Um, but he, a lot of his roles, he is either doing a voice behind a mask. It's not his face, you know. Um, but the Matrix kind of pop brought that out with him. Um, and anybody who doesn't know him, uh, he's been in Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, he's been this great actor. Um, he, he was the, um, the voice of Megatron in Dark of the Moon for Transformers. Um, you know, he was, uh, basically this this person who just did a lot of these voiceovers narrator roles he was v and v for vendetta in case anybody was wondering um but yeah he is literally before the matrix he was mostly a voice actor and really he was not seen much on screen like he didn't have big roles um as like as being noticed uh, without a mask on or some kind of extra makeup on. Like, this is the first time he was like, no makeup, this is it. And um, he's great. And he is one of those people who is just very intelligent. Um, and he's very funny. Like, he's just some of the shit he comes out with that comes out of his mouth is, is hilarious. Um... I've listened to interviews with him and he talks about all the stuff that, that, you know, he liked and didn't like worked on movies, what movies he liked, what movies he didn't like, what directors were assholes. You know, he was red skull also in the first Avenger. Um, so, you know, little things like that, but you actors like that who are very versatile are great actors because they are very diverse. And when it comes to their roles, they can be all over the place. So they can be, you know, the the nicest person in the world, or they can be the most evil villain that they possibly can be, like Agent Smith. But you have many things that are typically, like, certain actors can only play one role, or actors get pissed off and are like, no, I don't want to play this role. I don't want to be, I don't want to be stereotyped or typecast. Um, playing like, you know, Batman or Superman or any of these roles, which is an iconic role and you have a lot to live up to. You have actors who just don't want to do it because they feel like they're being typecast. Now, perfect example, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane was awesome as the Punisher. He did one movie. Why? And there's Riley. Why? Because he didn't want to be typecast. He said he's only doing it once. He's not going to continue on, and that's what happened. 
So he became this actor who only played the Punisher for one role. They did the second Punisher movie, Warzone, and it was a completely different actor. They recast it. Um, but you have actors like that. Um, you have actors who, who specifically say, like, I'm not going to be typecast. I'm not going to do this more than one movie. Uh, I don't want to play this type of role. It hurts a lot of actors, but some actors who they want for the part maybe necessarily aren't the best choice. Um, that's just my opinion, again. So, but, uh, yeah. So, I'm going to try the dinner that was prepared. It's a uh, gnocchi with steak that's been marinated in a whiskey bourbon sauce, in a honey bourbon sauce with green beans. And it's very delicious. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mm. Yeah, let the sto steak soak for 48 hours in a honey bourbon marinade. Cooked it in a cast iron skillet, um, which is great. You can cook it in cast iron or cook it on the grill. Um, cast irons are awesome to cook with, um, especially when you just let the season soak in there. And basically, seasoning in cast iron pan is the hardest part. But gnocchi's another thing. Um, but yeah, honey bourbon, honey bourbon marinade. So we talked about whiskey and bourbon, what the difference is. Um, you can buy the marinades in stores. Uh, we picked one up off the shelf. We added a little bit to it. So and you can do it yourself. A little bit of honey um, if you have it. And um, a couple about, you know, make sure your liquid when you're trying to marinate something covers the meat or item that you're trying to cover or cook with. Because it has that possibility that the longer you let it marinate for, and don't let it marinate any more than 72 hours, because at that point you're getting into the whole thing, unless you're going to freeze it. Here's what we never talked about before. You can freeze your marinades. So if you want to marinate a piece of meat for, say, you don't want to cook it till next weekend, you only have maybe Saturday and Sunday to do your prep work for your week for your meals. Some people do this. What you can do is put it in a... Put it either in a sandwich bag, in a big freezer bag, which is probably the best bet to do. But try to cover, make sure that your meat is submerged. So when you freeze it, it freezes the meat. But as the meat freezes, it actually absorbs the moisture around it. And it absorbs more of the marinade. So it's kind of like marinating it for longer because eventually that breakdown and that freeze, when it thaws out it kind of opens up and it tries to get that moisture back that it lost when it was frozen so it as it expands as the meat thaws out and becomes more porous it takes in more of the marinade which gives it a nice flavor which gives it a nice what we call like you want to call like almost like a crusting on the inside and you cut a piece of meat in the middle it has a ring around it from where the marinade is and how deep it soaks in the longer you have it soak the bigger that marinade ring will be or that crust which some some people call it listen i'm not a culinary person i'm a guy who cooks when he wants to um because i like to uh, i don't get paid for it it's nothing fancy um green beans we talked about that the last time i love fresh green beans even steam fresh ones are really good um the bird's eye steam fresh ones are really can't be beat um 
if you do have another one you like, maybe they don't make bird's eye where you are. I know some brands are only in certain places, which is fine. But try to go fresh every time if you can. If you're not in a pinch, they're not in season, then go with the frozen ones. Uh, but fresh every time works. Um, pasta is the same way. Um, fresh pasta is always a pain in the ass to cook with. Um, you can get that fresh frozen stuff, which works really well too. Uh, follow directions on that. I didn't cook dinner tonight, so. But <laughs> talking on that subject, so you we have the uh, you have actors and people who are just awesome in movies. I know I've jumped around a little bit. I apologize. Um, so basically. You want to make sure that when you're watching something, don't expect that actor to go, he'd be great in another movie. Don't get those hopes up because a lot of actors are very picky now about their roles and what they do and they don't want to be typecast. You have actors who are just, no matter what they do, they're great in any role. And you have some actors who you watch another movie there and go, man, they really should have made that other movie. Um, because they're not good in this other role and then the second movie they do sucked maybe the third movie comes out and they're good in it it it, it varies it, it's script it's got to do with scripts it's got to do with uh the way things are written the way characters are thought about because remember a lot of characters are written for a certain actor and when that actor turns the role down because they don't want to do it don't like it it's not their like they don't feel right about it then another actor kind of has to try to make it his character. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, a great thing with that um, would be um, Professor X. Professor X was, of course, everybody knows, anybody who's watched movies, um, Professor X is Patrick Stewart. And... Then, you know, he had that run, you know, X-Men, um, all the X-Men movies that, that he did. And then they turned around and they basically decided, hey, guess what? We're not going to use Patrick Stewart anymore. We're going to reboot the X-Men series and we're going to use James McAvoy. And they did a very good job with their reboot. James McAvoy, I like James McAvoy as a young Professor X um, I like him when they, you know, give him the ball thing, the wheelchair, you know, he's, he, he remind, I mean, he, he did a good job of it. Do I like Patrick Stewart? I absolutely do. Patrick Stewart looked like Professor X because that's what I grew up with. An old guy who, you know, in a wheelchair, I mean, granted, Charles Xavier's in the earlier movies never hovered, but you gotta start somewhere. So... But now that I'm talking about that, it's kind of a I'm kind of transitioning with that. So I just read an article. There's a um, there's a research group, and it's really something great to look into called, um, and the, well, the program they're doing is called Project Tokyo. It's an AI program they're using to to help people who have um, poor or no vision, failing vision, blind in order to help them be able to kind of like see almost. Uh, they're using the uh, Microsoft HoloLens technology. 
along with a headset in order to um, develop this program um, to help the blind kind of see. Um, using AI, people who are blind are able to find uh, familiar faces in a room. So basically they're using this, this headset setup um, with earphones to uh, make certain signals so that when the person who's blind or, or is uh, vision impaired uh, looks, around, looks around the room with the headset on, it will play a noise, you, the person stops, and it will say the person's name as long as you know them. So it's great. I, I just read the whole article on it, and if you, um, if you want to check it out too, it's uh, news.microsoft.com, um, Innovation Stories, Project Tokyo, um, or type Project Tokyo into your search, your Google search bar. It'll pull it up. Um, the article's by John Roach, and um, it's very interesting how this uh, 12-year-old boy is working with this research and development team um, to uh, perfect and move this project uh, forward. Um, it's a very great idea. Um, anything, like I said, anything that helps the visually impaired or the people who are uh, impaired in some way, shape, or form, mental, mental, mentally, physically, or verbally, um, sight-wise, you know, some kind of challenge, some kind of dis disability, um, and people are, are we're using technology in the right way that it should be used to help those people um, be active as we are active in our society. Um, it's great that they're doing this. Um, because it's heartfelt and it's one of those things where it's going to help this 12 year old boy eventually down the road and other children who were blind um maybe they became blind they used they, they were had vision at one point they had an there was an accident maybe they were born blind they've never seen it all but this will help all those people who have have these problems um be able to know what their surroundings are who's around them so they can properly socialize, interact, and not be shut-ins, not be led by people. Um, because that's what we want. We want to make sure that even though someone has a problem, um, they have a disability, uh, that they can interact with other people in society. They're not shut-in. They're not outcasts. Um, these people should not be looked down upon, ever. Um, these people should always be... Um, helped out in any way shape or form um because it is a shame it is unfortunate that people are born with problems uh with disabilities uh blind uh, autistic um cerebral palsy um all that uh we really need to as a society and as a culture um we need to assist these people try to kind of pull our heads out of our asses <laughs> and stop the infighting. Stop worrying about what people look like, what they're wearing, um, and really try to focus on um, helping your fellow man. Um, again, this is my opinion, um, and it may be your opinion too. I mean, you're listening to my show, so hopefully it's something touches you a little bit that I say. Um, but... It's something that I've always looked forward to. I volunteered as when I was younger. Um, I volunteered with multiple handicapped children, uh, children who had autism, uh, children who had um, 
multiple disabilities, children who were paralyzed, blind. Um, and it was something that was very um, heartfelt to me. Um, I never minded giving up my time uh, to help someone else and to assist them. I would actually volunteer on my summer vacations to actually go to school to help these children that had disabilities um, because it was something that I actually was very proud of. Um, and it's something, again, that a lot of people should look into um, because there are a ton of programs out there that people do need to, um, to definitely uh, help. Uh, they are always looking for volunteers, um, and they're always looking for people to be a little selfless at times um, and volunteer time. Most of these places want time and bodies as opposed to money because they don't have the necessary people to assist them with stuff. And it also, you know, you're helping somebody less fortunate who, who can't, who, who does appreciate it. And trust me, the kids I worked with did appreciate it a lot. Um, they, um, they would get excited uh, because you interact with children after a while. You start to learn like their, the way they get excited. Um, I, I have a very near and dear friend of mine who has an 11-year-old son um, who has, is a nonverbal autistic. Um, and she has gone through leaps and bounds with him and has caused her a lot of stress in her life. Um, but she would give up anything for that little kid. And um, he, he's very, very smart. Um, he was working with a technology that was helping to give him a voice. Um, and now they worked with him longer. He can say words. He can't say people's names. Um, he has nicknames for people, which is always funny um, because he associates them with other things. But I used to go over there and see my friend and uh, go out and see them uh, for my when I went on vacation. Um, and I would go spend time with them. And I would read to him. And one of his favorite books was Brown Bear, Brown Bear. <laughs> and it's a children's book. But he would bring it over to me the minute I would sit down on the couch and want me to read it to him. And I would sit there and... I, if I was there every day, I was there for a week, every day I would read it to him. And sometimes twice to three times a day. And he would point at the pictures on the page as I was reading the words to him. Because he, you know, even though he has this this problem, this disability, um, it doesn't mean he's not a smart child. Um, he is very intelligent. Um, he just doesn't know how to communicate it properly. So, you know, some people look at people with disabilities and, and, pro and say, like, you know, they don't see the bigger picture. Like, yeah, hey, this, he, he doesn't talk, but he could be smart as a whip. I mean, Stephen Hawking could talk as a, when he was younger. He got a, a developmental disease where the older he got, the worse he got. Uh, until he was bound, but he was a genius. So some people, no matter how they're born, uh, even though they're born different, even though they're born, they don't talk. Um, they still may have intelligence that's untapped, um, ideas that we don't see, um, 
thoughts that we don't know about. Um, but her son always has a smile on his face. He always giggles. Um, and I challenge anybody um, to turn around and try not to uh, be put in a better mood when you hear a little kid laugh. Um, especially when it's a heartfelt laugh and it's those those laughs deep down that just, they get you in some way, shape, or form, but it's always cute. And he always wants to hug people. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, being kind to your fellow man and being kind to everybody around you is the way life, we all should act and we all should think. But again, my opinion Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. So, um, thing I want to do want to talk about though. So Saint um, Saint Patrick's Day is coming up. Like I said, uh, we talked about the legend of Saint Patrick, or what I was told. Um, and basically, you have these these lovely people who go out and celebrate like maniacs and get drunk, um, which it puts things in a bad light for the Irish culture. Um, but you know what? You can't blame that on everybody because it's perpetual. Um, but it's just the way it goes with things. Um, the literal sense of pe- the way people think and the way people act, it, it's, it's just one of those things. So here's, here's for today. I'm going to give you one of two recipes for St. Patrick's Day. And this is basically, it's a recipe on how to make soda bread. I already gave you a little tease about marinating a steak. Um, cooking green beans and some uh, uh, gnocchi. So so without further ado, here we go. I'm going to get into the Ir- Grandma's Irish soda bed, soda bed. Grandma's Irish soda bread recipe. So um, here's what you need. It's uh, pretty much four cups all-purpose flour. Four tablespoons white sugar, one teaspoon baking soda, one tea, one tablespoon baking powder, half a teaspoon of salt. That's pretty much optional if you want. Um, half a cup of margarine or butter or whatever kind of stuff you want to use, softened. Uh, one cup buttermilk. Yes, you have to use buttermilk. So I think you can use, you can probably substitute buttermilk um, almond milk for buttermilk because I know some people can't have buttermilk. Um, again, one egg, a uh, quarter cup butter melted. Um, and then basically, here we go. Fifth, prep time 15 minutes, cook time 50 minutes, ready in one hour and five minutes. Um, here's the directions for everybody who cares. Uh, preheat oven to 375 degrees Fahrenheit. We're nowhere international now, so 190 degrees Celsius uh, for you gentlemen in the metrics, ladies and gentlemen in the metric system. Lightly grease a large baking sheet. Yes, it goes on a baking sheet. Even though it's bread, it doesn't go in a bread pan. It goes on a baking sheet. Um, In a large bowl, mix together your flour, sugar, baking soda, baking powder, salt, and margarine. Stir in a cup of buttermilk and egg, uh, one cup. Uh, Turn dough out in onto a lightly floured surface and knead slightly. Form dough into a round and place on a prepared baking sheet. What they mean when they say prepared into a round, you don't want to make it a log and you don't want to make it square. You want to basically make it round. 
like a circle. Um, so because it's Irish bread is Irish soda bread is round. It's not square. It's not flat. It actually rise really good. Uh, in a small bowl, uh, combine melted butter with a quarter cup buttermilk. Brush loaf with this mixture. Use a sharp knife and cut X's into the top of the loaf. Yes, cut a couple of small X's in the top of the, the soda bread if you're going to make it. If you don't, it will crack and then it will not cook the correct way. Here's why. Um, me and my mom, the first time we tried it when I was uh, cooking with her and we tried to bake it the first time off of my grandmother's recipe, um, we actually forgot that step. And it split right uh, right on the top. Um, and it basically dried out. So you do that in order to, you make the X's, the small X's, and you can do a couple of them on the top. Not too deep, just enough to relieve this, relieve the pressure that the crust is going to create. Because it's like a, you're still trying to bake bread, um, even though it's like a dessert bread. Um, the other thing you can actually add into the mixture, if you like it, what has, how my family makes it is to put raisins in it. Um, that's the way we've made it. It's more of like um, from where my family's originally from in Ireland. Um, they're from Cork. And that's how my great-grandmother used to make it. So um, let's see. This is, then here we go. Here's the last step. Uh, bake in a preheated oven until a toothpick insert it or a... Um, they do make wooden measuring sticks that you can get. They're small little wooden... Um, pokers um so here it is bacon preheated oven until a toothpick inserted into the center of the loaf comes out clean what that means is what you have to do is in the pull it out in the center of your loaf or round you take a toothpick you stick it in as far as you can till your fingers touch the top and take it out if it still comes out and it is wet or damp it's not done yet. Um, until the loaf comes out clean, 45 to 50 minutes. Um, that varies depending on your oven or how you're cooking it. Uh, check for doneness after 30 minutes. So after 30 minutes hits, you want to start checking to see if it's done because you don't want to overcook it. Uh, you may continue to brush the loaf with the butter mixture uh, while it bakes. So yeah, if you want to, you can basically take a small brush um, and brush the top with a, uh, with a, the butter and egg, uh, mixture that they, I told you. Um, so when it basically, uh, it serves, you cut it, it gives you about, I don't know, it gives you about like fucking, depending on how thick you cut it, it can give you about eight to fucking nine slices. Also, depending on how you make it, if you want to make a bigger one, don't stick to the recipe. Um, because you want to make them individually. So don't try to like double everything and go, Oh, I'm just going to make a really big one. It's not going to work. Uh, we tried that and we fucked it up multiple times. We tried it. So now what my mom does when she's going to make them, she makes, um, she'll make a couple. And since the prep time is, you know, it's 15 minutes. Um, it takes about an hour to cook. She's. She makes one and then she lines up the other one so she can just rifle them in the oven. She makes about four of them because she makes ones for people at work. She makes them for me when I ask. 
Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's Mr. Black's Irish soda recipe from uh, Grandma. Um, so it's Grandma's Irish soda recipe. It's easy. It's simple. Like I said, we use raisins in ours. You don't have to. It's not required. Um, but that's one way to do it. Uh, some people put a big X across the top. We've done that. Some people do little X's. Done that too. Either way, it's great. It comes out. You can do it in, if you don't have a big cookie sheet or a big baking sheet, you can do it in um, a bread pan, but then it looks like bread. It's really not the way it's supposed to be. Um, it's not the way I've ever eaten it growing up. Um, I have had it that way, like, but we've never made it that way, my family. Um, and it usually comes out really good. But like I said, when you get about halfway through the baking process, start checking it because you don't want it to be overdone. Um, because when it, it when you dry out soda bread, it really is dry. Um, but good way to eat it if you're going to eat it is hot. Warm it up. Um, best way to warm it up. You can stick it in the microwave for about 10 seconds. Um, toaster oven, if you have one. If you don't have a toaster oven, your microwave, use the oven to heat it up. Like I said, you can use the microwave, but I wouldn't recommend it. Put your butter on it first. This way it'll retain the moisture. But yeah, all you do with soda bread is just put a little bit of butter on it, margarine, whatever you want to use, um, and coat, the, coat it, stick it somewhere. Um, I've seen some people who melt butter, um, and drizzle the melted butter on it after they heat it up. Um, but yeah, a glass of milk and it could be 2%, 1% whole milk, almond milk, whatever you're fancy, but yeah. And there's like a nice little dessert for it. It's like a dessert basically, um, snack. Um, it's great, but yeah. So in homage to St. Patty's day. That is Grandma's Irish Soda Bread Recipe. Um, I will uh, send message over to my my scissors, my web designer, um, and we'll post. Um, we're going to start working on a recipe section, so I will post a lot of these recipes up on the website. And the website, for everybody who wants to go there to send us an email, it is inthemindofmadness.com. Um I want to thank everybody listening on uh, Anchor.fm um, because they are our main staple right now where we are um, being loaded to and uh, they are sponsoring us, uh, commercial in the beginning of the show. <clears throat> uh, I want to thank everybody listening who uh, listens to me on iTunes um, and anywhere else you hear me, uh, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, um, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Anchor.fm. Um, like I said, uh, thank you everybody for your support. Thank you for continue to listen. Uh, drop us an email. Um, if you want to drop me an email directly, it's Mr. Black, and that's M R B L A C K at in the mind of madness.com. Um, that's the direct email. If you want to drop me a direct line, um, or you can go on the website, click on send us feedback, and get me an email that way. Again, it's in the mind of madness.com. I do want to propose a question for people. Um, would, if anybody would be interested, I really want some feedback on it. Um, 
T-shirts, sweatshirts, magnets, buttons, stickers. What do you guys want? Um, looking to put together a store for merchandise. Um, and I'm going to try to keep the cost as low as I possibly can for you guys. Because uh, it's pretty much just another way to kind of get some get some stuff out there. I know people like to wear clothes and they like to support the uh, the guys they listen to. Um, I do have a couple of ideas. I have to get with a couple people about it. Um, but for now, that's, um, that's something we're working on. But I do want feedback about that. Again, in the mind of madness.com. Um, and you get updates. Uh, it's everywhere we're playing is posted. Um, again, next weekend, I'm going to try to get the monster and Mr. Fitz on. Um, because I think it will be hilarious. Um, and I may drop another episode on Tuesday because I'm off of work. Um, I work for some gentlemen who have a holiday coming up. Uh, it's not St. Patty's Day. Um, I unfortunately don't take off for that holiday anymore. I used to every year. Um, but I'm a little older, a little wiser, and uh, I don't go to the bars as much. So anyway, the, uh, the greatest thing about that is... Um, I'm going to talk about how to make um, corned beef and cabbage next week. So if anybody who's interested in that, I'll try to post that earlier. Maybe I'll do it Tuesday, um, and we'll just omit the recipe or come up with another recipe to uh, feed you, feed your minds and feed your culinary delights. Um, but And again, to answer people's questions uh, that I got, uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't have a Ph.D., um, I went to college. I didn't finish, um, but um, I did not uh, did not have any of those degrees. Um, I do not have any honorary titles. The "What's Up Doc" title for the last episode was specifically because um, it was my favorite. It's my favorite Bugs Bunny line. Um, I like cartoons, in case it, and I like classic cartoons. Um, so "What's Up Doc" is something that Bugs Bunny would always say when he would not pop up behind Elmer Fudd or Yosemite Sam, take a big bite of his carrot and go, what's up, Doc? And um, there's a great story. I'm going to end the show with that. I, I watched a documentary a couple of years ago on Looney Tunes, believe it or not, on Mel um, on Mel Banks. Mel, bleh, Mel Blank. And he, for years, I mean, he's the vo- he was the voice of Bugs Bunny. And when... They tried because he hates car- he hated carrots apparently, so that iconic sound of Bugs Bunny biting into a carrot is actually um, Mel Blanc biting into a carrot, recorded on the mic when he was recording Bugs Bunny's voice. So they tried everything. They tried potatoes. They tried celery. Nothing had the same sound as a carrot. So as the story would have it. While they were going through trying this, they said, listen, they told him, there's nothing we can do. So what he did, what what they did for him was, is they kept a garbage can, a big metal garbage can in front of him and a carrot. So when he would record the line, what's up, doc, take the bite and chew, that was him biting an actual carrot, chewing on it. And then spitting it out into this garbage can. Because he hated carrots, the taste of carrots, that much. I'm not a fan of carrots when they're raw. 
Um, baby carrots, when they're sweet baby carrots, I do like them. But I like them cooked. But, man, it's just you go to those links to try to find something that sounds so similar. Apparently nothing sounds like a carrot breaking off a carrot in your mouth and biting into it. But, yeah, Mel Brooks, or Mel Brooks, Mel Blank hated carrots. But yet his most iconic Looney Tunes character and the iconic voice he did for Bugs Bunny was him biting into a carrot and saying, what's up, Doc? So that's where that comes from. It's it's my um, homage to um, cartoon nostalgia as a kid and growing up watching Looney Tunes. And the greatest thing about that was is you don't realize, like I watched the whole thing on Foley um, not Mick Foley, <laughs> wrestling people out there going nuts. He mentioned Mick Foley. No, Foley actors, the guys who do the sound effects for cartoons and movies and all that stuff and um, and voiceover work. And they talked about that, and he was the most famous person they brought up in there um, because of all the voices uh, that he gave life to all the characters. Um, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, uh, Elmer Fudd, um, Yosemite Sam, and so on and so forth, along with Chuck Schultz and... Um, these guys, just the the the, um, the the art that they had and that the ideas they had for these characters, um, nothing like that on today's television can fly because everybody's so uptight. And it's just really funny because it all boiled down to a raw carrot. Um, and who would have known if that would have sounded something different? They just said, nope, not doing it. I'm going to use a celery stalk or I'm going to use a potato or I'm going to use an apple or, um, you know, something that makes a crunching sound. But, yeah, he he stuck with it. And they said it's the best take that we can get. Celery doesn't sound the same. Apples don't sound the same. Um, And he had to eat a carrot. So um, the next time you stumble upon a YouTube video or uh, uh, it's on TV... Um, appreciate that this guy pretty much every day, um, he recorded, um, Bugs Bunny and took a bite of that carrot that he was, the voice actor was really taking a bite of that carrot and spitting it out into a garbage can because he didn't like the taste of it. But mom, it's good for your, but son, it's good for your eyes. I don't like it. So, um, yes, the carrot thing is supposedly an old wives tale. And I don't remember how many, I, your parents probably did it. My parents did it a bunch of times. My grandparents did it. it it's, it's bullshit. Um, but you should eat carrots no matter what. Um, like I said, some people don't like them. Uh, some people don't like cooked carrots, I found out. Um, some people will just eat carrots raw, which is very interesting. And it's very, um, it's very funny because they'll look at cooked carrots and be like, that's fucking gross. I'm not eating that. You, you, it's mushy. I, I get it. But, um, I also get the fact that there's certain vegetables that taste better raw. Um, you know, I don't like tomatoes, so go figure. But, um, I, I like everything else. I like tomato sauce. I like ketchup. I like, you know, but I hate fucking tomatoes. <laughs> I don't, I don't fucking know. Um, so, yeah, but no, the, uh, the the carrot thing, carrot thing about eyes, I remember that all the time. Eat your carrots. You eat carrots, you know. 
Um, as a kid, I never really liked carrots. I used to remember that all the time. I used to argue with my mom, my grandmother. I never liked carrots. It was weird. Now, all of a sudden, I'm older. I, I, I like carrots. I like other shit I never liked either. But, again, that has something to do with that. The older we get, um, our habits and our eating styles change. Um, but, yeah. So, next time you're, like I said, watching that, um, watching a cartoon with Bugs Bunny in it, uh, just think Mel Brooks hated carrots. Mel Blank. Mel Brooks. Fucking... It's two names so close together. Mel Blank and Mel Brooks. Mel Blank is the voice of uh, a lot of the Looney Tunes characters. Uh, hated carrots. So when he cut that iconic line of, hey, what's up, Doc? And uh, bit that carrot. He fucking hated carrots. He used to spit them out into a garbage can all the time. Um, but listen, we all do things we don't like um, because we have to sometimes. Um, we don't have a choice, and other times it's just because we want to. Um, but no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, and no matter what you have to do, and this has been uh, your latest installment of In the Mind of Madness. You can catch us uh, every week on Anchor.fm or anywhere that podcasts uh, you listen to podcasts at. Um, I've been Mr. Black, your host. Um, uh, the website is in the mind of madness.com again in the mind of madness.com is the website uh, anchor.fm if you want to leave a voice message um, and we can uh, I can play it on the show um, I will uh, once I start getting more questions about certain things I will start to answer them on the show I think I might do an episode just of emails uh, when I get to about 30 or so but um until then drop us a line um and thank you for everybody listening abroad um i know I, apparently people have been listening in certain country in other countries uh welcome thank you um till next time this has been in the mind of madness and i'm mr black and i will catch you uh on the next one